0: So I'm joined today with Haley Brunell, uh trombonist, vocalist, uh, I don't know, what else, educator, recent album it, releaser, yeah. <laughs> you know, how does, it, uh, how does it feel? Let's see, it's now February 11th, 2021, where, I don't know, nine months overdue and evidently what was going to be a three-month pandemic, you know, how does it... How's it feel to have an album coming out soon?
1: Um, I feel extremely lucky because it's given me something to look forward to and focus on in this very difficult time for musicians. And my album was fully recorded before the pandemic started, like very shortly before the pandemic started. <laughs> so I got very lucky that uh, I've had this release to sort of, you know, look forward to this whole time.
0: Has... Uh has it been tough, you know, for like the motivation to be, to say like creative and on track when everyone's working at home and Netflix is generally just like five minutes away?
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, I can't even tell you the amount of shows I've binge watched, um, on different platforms over the past (laughs) nine months. Um, yeah, I mean, it's been hard for anyone. I feel like anyone that says that they're thriving right now is maybe not being completely honest, especially as a musician. Um, because as a trombone player, it's not the most gratifying instrument to play solo by yourself for a year. Sure, sure. Um.
0: <laughs> now, I don't know. It's, it's always interesting because I feel like when you talk to most other people and they're putting on an album, you know, they've recorded kind of like you, like year in the past, and then all the production stuff happens to it. And they're like, man, I don't even think about this past record anymore. Like I'm already on to like the next thing. You know, that those tunes are old. How is it for you though? Because there hasn't been much going on in the past year you know are you still living in these are you working on new stuff you know where are you finding that balance
1: i'm still doing the thing where i am mostly looking towards the next album Um, i love this collection of tunes so much um and i'm not sick of them or most of them yet um but no i have a note on my phone right now of all my potential songs for the next one that hopefully i can record as soon as it's safe to do so
0: uh was there the other thing, too, that's kind of interesting about this is it's a it's an interesting uh, grouping of tunes. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It's, <laughs> it's just there are, you know, there's some like Stardust or You Go To My Head, which I think more widely known. Oh, yeah. Know, definitely would re- relatable say-
1: Relatable ballads are yeah, a cornerstone, yeah. Standards, <laughs> here you go.
0: Uh, and then you have like, I'm Forever Blowing Bubbles, you know, might be a little bit more far-fetched out there. How did you- come to know these tunes you know and why did you end up picking them
1: so almost every single tune on that album is uh, something that i knew from childhood in some form or another um i'm forever blowing bubbles was my zadie which is yiddish for grandfather mm-hmm. uh, it was his favorite song um i thought that no one knew it and on gigs uh when those were things i used to do this thing where i would, I would play that arrangement and right before i would say all right if anyone um, can tell me that they uh, know know this song besides you know me playing it right now I'll, I'll buy you a drink yeah and I stopped doing that because apparently I'm forever blowing bubbles <laughs> is like the song for it's like a, a UK like a pr- Premier League or something soccer team <laughs> yeah <laughs> so anyway sorry that was my little anecdote but most of the songs uh yeah they're they're songs from my childhood uh, I'm forever blowing bubbles has that connection with my grandfather Orange Colored Sky I remember. A story of my gram and my dad singing it. My dad doesn't remember that story, but apparently it had a great impact on me. Um, and yeah, uh there're a lot of songs that might seem obscure to others, but I just hold so near and dear.
0: That's wild. Yeah, I'm I just looked it up right now. Not that I did not believe you, but it's <laughs> it's so, you know, you watch like Premier League soccer and they all like break out into the, these chants mm-hmm. and whatnot. But yeah, West Ham. It's one yes, of the, one of the that's songs it. from, and it's
1: Okay, cool. I mean, that's cool. That's yeah, but it was just so funny because I had like a guy started singing along. I was like, no way (laughs) (laughs) on this gig, I thought he was messing with me.
0: Man, that's yeah, that's the coolest way to do it. And it's so interesting that like these are the songs from your childhood because so many people have wildly different childhoods <laughs> i mean i grew up you know with my mom love with shania twain you know and then you have other people that are like james brown or earth wind and fire and whatnot but this was kind of you know in your wheelhouse you know did you <laughs> how did it kind of feel then when you went back and like decided you were going to do a thing you know i'm going to be a jazz musician that's going to be me i'm going to learn this stuff and then you learn that like oh this music ties into that like naturally and this is like real easy connection.
1: Yeah, and uh, to be fair, I never really felt like I was returning to that those ideals. It was always kind of there because I started gigging with my dad when I was 12. Oh, um, okay. Uh, actually on on drums, which is hilarious to me to, to oh. think back on. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and we we did a mix of things because I don't want to say that I grew up just with songs from the 20s through 40s. That was a lot of it. But, you know, my my dad is the biggest Beatles fan you've ever met, knows all the things. My mom likes the Ramones and... Uh, John Mayer and, and, but, uh, jazz was always kind of that through line. So I kind of never felt like I left these tunes. Sure. <laughs> um, so I, that's why this album felt like it came together pretty easily just cause they had been buzzing around my head for so long. I didn't feel like there had to be like this big, like return and realization. It was just kind of always there.
0: Now when you write, do you, cause I feel, um, with a lot of the people that are like, like the younger generation, you know, in college and whatnot, they uh, often are just trying to go like as modern as modern can be, you know, and, and all of these different influences and like want to be the next Robert Glasper, mm. like et cetera, et cetera. Do you, when you write and arrange, do you find yourself leaning more towards the way that this harmony was functioning and the way that like the you know the the through composed but not through composed balance of these, or, or how do you see that coming out in? you know, your originals and what you're doing.
1: I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head. I'm very based in, you know, traditional 40s, especially um, harmony and arranging styles. I love being influenced by, by big band arranging. I, I love shout sections. Um, I love taking just original functional harmony and adding in just really swinging backgrounds. Um, I I went to Temple University and uh, Temple is really rooted in, in the, like tradition of jazz and doesn't have an overly modern program. Some, some students do it, but that's just not the style of the program. A lot of bebop um, sure, based sure. things, especially in, in Philly. Um, but uh, yeah, it's my arranging. I, I just kind of want to honor the original tunes and put my own voice in. Um, I did the thing in college where I tried to write overly complicated, modern sounding things and it yeah. just wasn't me and it never sounded good. <laughs> Yeah, but
0: I feel like, I don't know, I think to a degree, besides some people, you know, like Chick Corea excluded, you kind of have to figure that out. You know, you got to go too far and then walk it back some, you know, to find like the happy balance in between.
1: Totally. I was actually just revisiting old arrangements I made in college and... I feel so bad for anyone that had to play when I was figuring out that too far. Yes. This one arrangement of anything goes that there's like a different slash chord on every like every melody note. It's the worst thing I've ever seen.
0: Oh my gosh! I I had that. I pulled up a big band arrangement the other day, and it was like, why did I try to write this in this time signature? It was <laughs> so much easier to do something else. But that's wild. So then you got the album coming out you know, you're, you're, you're trying to stay afloat during COVID, stay positive or whatnot. Boom. Sarah Vaughn, international jazz vocalist competition comes around. Uh, so how do we do this progression? You know, because we start talking about you gig at first on drums yeah, and then you go to, co- I'm assuming you started middle school or high school playing trombone.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, you go to college, you keep playing trombone. And then, you know, you're like, Oh, I'm also going to go do this great vocal competition and do great at it. Like where did, where does this all balance out?
1: Well, I think you just constructed a pretty accurate narrative, which (laughs) is is impressive. Um, no, I, I, um, have been singing the longest. That's actually a, a misconception that a lot of people that, uh, know me or especially knew me going through college people assume that i've been a trombone player who just decided one day that i really liked singing as well but i've i've been singing longer than i've been playing trombone and trombone more informed my um my vocal ability if anything um the drums thing is funny i took drum lessons for six years that was i started before trombone um and I am terrible now. I, I actually, I teach, um, I teach middle school band part-time and I teach be- like beginning and intermediate drummers. And I, that's as much as my ability is, <laughs> I can play a mean paradiddle.
0: You're right, right, um, right, right.
1: But no, I, I um, sort of tried all these different instruments and it sort of, they all kind of informed each other. And then uh, in college, I went in as, a, in as a vocal jazz major, immediately switched to jazz trombone. Although... I couldn't improvise. I was really bad on trombone, at least at improvising, but I got into the big band. So they let me switch majors without auditioning for jazz trombone. And I felt like I had tricked someone.
0: Oh, definitely did. Definitely <laughs> did. We've all done that at some point in time.
1: Now. Yeah. And, um, so I, and then I switched to the jazz trombone major, um, in a vocal, I was kind of not considered a vocalist so much. I, I, I kept it on the, on the down low. Um, and late in college, I auditioned for the Saravon competition at some point, didn't get past the first round. Um, and this time, I, I submitted just some recordings I had pre-COVID, and I guess it was what they wanted at this point, and I'm a lot better than I was in college. <laughs> um, but But yeah, I don't know if that answered your question. I no, just kind of talked. It did. <laughs>
0: no, it did. It did. But like, was it... So, okay, I guess, where did trombone come from? Was that just the instrument that you picked to, like, get into the band class in school? Or, like, how did that love come from?
1: Um, So, I actually was just talking about this on another brass-centric podcast. Um, But uh, I did not want to play trombone originally. Okay. Um, Yeah, I wanted to play in fifth grade when we – or end of fourth grade when we did the instrument petting zoo. I wanted to play French horn um, Mm. because I thought all the windy tubes were really cool. Um, they didn't have a French horn in the instrument petting zoo. So I said, okay, I want to play euphonium. It looks like the same thing. There's tubes. Right. Um, and I went home and told my family, my brother who is six years older than me and played tenor sax said, no, 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 don't play euphonium. You can't be in jazz band. Um, well, there's that one um, Freddie Hubbard album. Um, anyway, um, with the jazz euphonium. <laughs> the jazz euphonium. Yeah, yeah. I remember they record crisis suit that With anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, and I, my brother said trombone takes the same mouthpiece, so you should play trombone. I was influenced a little. My, my dad's father, my uh, my papa, he, he played trombone. Um, I never heard him that much as a kid because he lived sort of far away. But once trombone was in the picture, I remember him being really happy and my dad being really happy. But uh, yeah, it was very much something that I hadn't really thought of until my brother, who I loved and tried to impress all the time, said, you should play that.
0: <laughs> was there ever... Um... A question for you: If music was going to be the main thing, or is that just kind of like a given, given like the rest of your upbringing and whatnot?
1: It's pretty much always been the thing I knew I was going to do. I, I well, I thought I was going to be a, a music teacher primarily, like a full-time general music, like little kids, um, sure. Which I, I actually did for a couple of years out of college, part-time, and I like, but it's not my my thing as much as I thought it would be. Um, but yeah, ever since I think when I was nine, I said I wanted to be a music teacher and. It kind of stuck that I would do music. I think there was one year in like seventh grade that I said I wanted to be a hematologist. Cause I saw it mentioned on house, but besides that.
0: Right. 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 The real classic uh, career inspirations from the TV show house.
1: Oh yes. Of course.
0: <laughs> well, you know, that's interesting. Like that's awesome. Did you ever feel um, like you couldn't do it? You know, like would you're, if, if you hadn't gone into it, you know, and like, let's say you were a hematologist, <laughs> like, would you have been okay putting it away though? Or would it have still been a side thing for you? You know, because it feels like you have such a strong, like family roots in music. And it's just like, there was no getting away from it, even if you wanted to.
1: Yeah, it would have always been there. Um, it's funny if you say, I, I if I question that I'm able to do this and it's like, oh, like once a month or so. <laughs>
0: But if you're not doing that, like, are you really trying to do it? Like, if you don't hate what you're doing at the same time, are we really progressing?
1: Exactly. Yeah. You have to, that that uh, nice level of self-loathing, you know, yeah, has to be there Absolutely. <laughs> to be an artist.
0: How do you, how do you balance that out? Because I think everyone goes through this stage, especially maybe while you're working on our first album, where it's just that infamous question of like, am I ready for this? You know, or like, why am I doing this? You know, when like, Dick Oates teaches down the road or, you know, Terrell uh, Stafford or ex- insert any name of another musician here, you know?
1: Yeah. And it's, well, it's funny you say that. Cause my, this is a serious answer. My real answer is some days I don't overcome that thought. Some days right. are just like, you know, I, I have a really hard time and the imposter syndrome is really real. Um, the, you know, all those feelings. But at the end of the day, I think I think about how much joy I get <laughs> Um, from doing what I'm doing, and I have to pare it down, and just I tell myself, and I have my friends tell me, my boyfriend tells me that uh, you know, because we all rely on other people too. Right. Um. That what I'm doing brings joy to at someone at some point. <laughs> right. Um. So the fact that I can feel the joy within myself and know for a fact that at least someone out there is really enjoying what I'm doing—that's what keeps me going. <laughs>
0: Man, that's that's an awesome way to to view it, you know, because I think some people honestly just get to the point where it's like, screw it, you know, like I'm I just gotta. But to think of it from that perspective is probably healthier, you know, it's probably a little bit more sound and whatnot.
1: Well, we'll see. You know, we'll <laughs> I mean, yeah, have, have a long way to go.
0: Sure. <laughs> so, you know, you do this record. Um, I don't know, I guess the easy part was over like a year ago. Just play the tunes, record the tunes. What about since then, you know, how have you felt like the, the post recording thing, which I think is what people think about the least with at least their first album. You know, they don't, they're like, like the penultimate is always recording, like get the records, don't suck playing the changes, like et cetera, et cetera. And then the rest of it comes out. And I mean, I know I've had some friends where they're like, oh, okay. There's still more to do, you know, like, how was that for you?
1: um i i got so lucky um the in terms of like post like production um with mixing and mastering um oh my gosh the the team that i was working with at turtle studios here in south philadelphia are just amazing but also the nicest most understanding people sean savadlinak and, and doug rouse and jay levine who owns the studio were so understanding that i had no idea what i was doing <laughs> <laughs> um so that whole process was amazing because uh they helped me out i uh wish i had thought about beforehand all of the additional costs that come sure. after recording um sure. so that that was a a fun thing that now i know i am never recording an album of all um tunes i have to buy rights to ever again
0: <laughs> yeah Contrafacts. they're a wonderful thing
1: oh my gosh yeah it's no one warned me I, how expensive <laughs> So this is a a warning to anyone that might be well, listening to this.
0: And because everyone thinks about it. They're like, oh, you gotta play standards, like learn how to play standards. Like everyone plays standards. And then they're yep. like, hey, okay, now license your standards. Yep. Yeah. And
1: that was thank you for and everyone at OIM. Oh, that's actually the next part of this is I originally wasn't planning on partnering with a, a label. I didn't know what that meant or what how to do that. Um, when I first recorded, and I was kind of, you know trying to go off the cuff and grasp it like darken it through darkness or whatever. I don't know what idioms are, um, but uh, <laughs> don't worry about it. Um, but no. And then uh, once I started working with, with you guys, it, it, oh my gosh, it made it so much easier. I swear that you didn't ask me to say this, I know we're on your <laughs> podcast, but uh, I mean, now I feel like I kind of know more of what I'm doing. I'm sure. still learning, but uh, yeah, the label partnership was infinitely helpful.
0: <laughs> well, us aside, You know, what made you decide to do that? Because you definitely had already released, uh, you know, two singles, I think.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And I know a lot of friends that just think about it and they go, well, man, it's my first album. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to get in downbeat five stars. Like, I can just put it out myself. There's, you know, Bandcamp, TuneCore, all these other things out there now where you can very easily release music. What was the thing that made you think, okay, you know, I've already started this process, but like, let me pause and then reach out to some other people.
1: To be completely honest, um, I hadn't really thought of it be- for those reasons. I was sort of in that in that mindset of, well, it's just my first thing. I don't want to, you know, sink too much of my money and attention to it because who knows what's going to happen with your first record. Um, but a, a friend, Danny Gianacucci in New York, um, great trumpet player and the, the new Alchemy Jazz Orchestra and arranger and all that stuff. He's the person that reached out to me and, and, and said, hey, have you considered uh, partnering with a label? I like your the things that you've been putting out. <laughs> Um, So it it took kind of a push. I don't want to, you know, say that I was completely self-sufficient. It took a push from another musician that I really respect and um, to, to get me here.
0: You know, and that's cool. And I think that that's kind of the, almost the new age version of like the mentorship type thing. You know, it's not necessarily a bunch of gigs. Maybe now it's just like an Instagram DM, you know? Yeah. Awesome.
1: And that's the other thing is um, I did not think about the uh, social media implications of putting out an album of how much time and effort, um, I was going to put into my social media presence. It's not something that I ever was that seriously invested in, but it's been amazing. I've gotten some opportunities already just from a few months of really trying to, um, build my Instagram and social media presence. So that I had no idea how big of a deal that was.
0: How hard was that for you to buy into it? Because I think the big hurdle for a lot of people at first is that with social media, there, there's a lot of effort put up front and you don't see an immediate uh, return or financial gain or anything of that nature. So it's definitely something I think you got to like buy into and commit. You know, how was that for you? Especially, you know, it sounds like being someone who is not, you know, maybe the occasional Instagram scroll, you know, like someone's picture of a trip or whatever, but mm-hmm. not really big on it.
1: Um, it was it was difficult at first, especially I feel like there's a a stigma, at least where I went to school, and you know between jazz musicians, of sort of like the social media musician. Sure, um, there, there can be that stigma. I remember like people would judge others for even using hashtags Mm. that it, you know, was cheesy or it's a, Oh gosh, is it Bill Evans that had the quote about like, if you're shedding really hard in a closet someday, someone will open the door. Like I forget. And I'm blanking. Yeah.
0: Or the music, like if you take care of the music, the music will take care of you. You know, Yeah,
1: that sort of those tropes, which I want to be true, but in this day and age with how oversaturated the market is, Oh man, that's, you'd have to be very lucky to, to not put yourself out there at all um, and, and get discovered. Um, so that was sort of what turned the, that would turn the corner once I started thinking, realizing like, all right, especially once the pandemic hit, no one is going to hear me unless I'm making a conscious effort for people to hear me. Right. And I started treating social media more like um, a part of my job um, of it's my responsibility to put myself out there creatively and I try to be as authentic as possible. Um, but that's what helped me was when I started to, and it was phrased to me, I think, honestly, probably you or, or Nick were one of the first people that really helped, you know, put it into that context of, um, you know, this is something you have to schedule time for and, and it, treating it like a part of my work really helped a lot with uh, getting over that hurdle of that, I knew it was going to take a while for the return, but it's starting to happen.
0: Yeah, yeah that's good. I think so many people are uh, scared of like the Instagram likes, you know, or just like, oh, what is so-and-so going to think that I grew up with in some small town, you know, and it's just, right. you just got to get back to that point where it's like, well, someone's going to benefit from it, you know, and like, or hopefully someone's going to enjoy it, you know, to something to that extent.
1: Yeah. And, and honestly, that's like what I live for on Instagram is every once in a while getting someone that reaches out and like, especially I love when like younger musicians or younger female identifying musicians reach out and about like what I'm doing. It's, it's such a good feeling. I actually recently, I I dropped some, some merchandise on my website, um, some fun stuff with trombones and bubbles coming out of them. And I wasn't thinking that I was going to you know, sell too much because I don't have that sort of name recognition yet. Sure. But I've, I've sold a decent amount of things and the best-selling things have been these pink hoodies that I put on and I've been getting messages from uh, a lot of female trombonists saying like, oh, my gosh, I have never seen <laughs> like merchandise that has like for the trom- like for trombonists or brass players or musicians that uh, in-, in these colors or like this style. And I-, I love this. And it's like those moments of like, oh, wow, I never would have connected with all these people or even known that if I hadn't been posting about this stuff.
0: Well, we got to be honest. I think the trombone kind of gets uh, screwed over compared to the rest of... Like you guys still don't even have like an emoji. I don't think...
1: No, it's the stupid paper clip. That's <laughs> like the standard is what we're supposed to use.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'll give them the benefit. Maybe it's really hard to design or something, but that's awesome though. And especially because I think everyone uh, never imagines to sell m- merch as a jazz musician. It's certainly right. not something... I mean, hell, we've accepted we're not selling CDs as a jazz musician, Mm -hmm. but that's really cool to be able to get into that and, and get people reaching out. And I'm sure what you experience it where you discover someone on Instagram and you're like, wow, they're killing. And then you show up to a gig and it's like, oh, Hey, you're so-and-so like that's
1: awesome. It's, oh, it's such a cool feeling. It's, it's. Yeah, that makes so all the social media hustle so worth it for like that one person that shows up to your gig that says like, I heard your cover of Here's That Rainy Day from six months ago.
0: Like, oh. <laughs> but then it gets a little scary too because then you can scroll and you're like, oh wow, you heard that cover of uh, When the Saints Go Marching In from four years back.
1: Oh yeah, no, if you go really far back, like especially when um, the Acapella app first came out like years mm. ago, you can find some some videos that are, I shouldn't say this, but yeah, that are a little questionable <laughs> no. musically on my Instagram. If you scroll back, maybe I should go back. And but it's,
0: <laughs> it's cool that we've seen the progression. I mean, Miles Davis did not sound good on some of his <laughs> early stuff, you know, like when he was trying to be dizzy, but then look where he got right. to. you know, sketches of Spain. You yeah. Know,
1: it's, it's a cool balance so what so so i'm thinking about my (laughs) early miles davis equivalent is me singing an amy winehouse cover
0: (laughs) (laughs) i feel like that's almost a requirement though you know as like a someone who identifies as a vocalist if you didn't do an Amy Winehouse cover.
1: Well, especially her voice is, I, I have a low voice in case you couldn't tell. Um, so it, it was so nice, like when Amy Winehouse is popular, just being able yeah. to like, oh, it's one of us, great. Yeah, and, and that's,
0: uh, you know, low register female voices are definitely not as common, I guess, but when you get one that's like great, it's like amazing. You know, like someone else I'm thinking of that's popular right now is like Rachel Price.
1: Oh with yeah, Lake Street
0: Dive, and it's just like ah. this very low and warm voice, and it's just—it's beautiful. You, you name know,
1: my like other favorite uh vocalist to cover, I will sing late Street Dive songs all day.
0: <laughs> oh, talk about a band, and that's another band that's super interesting. They started at NEC with like a yeah. trumpet player, a bass, and like they're jazz musicians, and now they're. Have you they're heard
1: they're Rachel now? Price's uh the duo stuff? Um, yes, with oh uh, my the
0: guitarist. Yes, yeah, and.
1: I hate that I'm so blanking on his name, um, but yeah. Anyway, I, this could just be a podcast talking about Rachel Price, and I would be okay with it.
0: You know who else? And I'm sure that you've, uh, you know, found him now. But their new organ player is like oh, okay. I don't ridiculous. know by <laughs> name. <laughs> oh, I've heard, yeah. but I yeah. I don't either. Guitarist Vilray. That's who we're yes, looking that's for. That's it. Vilray. No, but their new organ player, um, who I should know his name, but he. <laughs> so well and it's a phenomenal band everyone should go check that out if we that makes me so
1: happy oh it's
0: incredible oh
1: and have you checked out and sorry this won't turn into a conversation of have you checked out but um this new singer i'm absolutely obsessed with she just goes by sammy ray um she it's it's wonderful like uh, just great good pop music you know when you just hear someone's like this is good pop music but yeah she's another one where she has some lower qualities to her, or, you know, timbre to her voice, but she does all this crazy stuff, but you should check her out. She's really well, good. Well,
0: I will take your Sammy Ray and raise <laughs> you. Uh, you should check out the group Lawrence. <sighs>
1: okay. I, they are one of my favorite groups in the okay. entire world. All I was right, supposed right. to see them on April 6th and I couldn't. Um, <laughs> all Um right,
0: Rip. Well, they are <laughs> phenomenal. Uh,
1: yeah. Oh man. Yeah. They are. I, I, I follow Gracie Lawrence like very like diligently on Instagram. <laughs> She's amazing. Another
0: incredible social media presence is yes. the- <laughs> all of the weird things they just get into.
1: Yeah. It's, oh, I- I'm so happy that they're like, cause I only discovered them um, maybe like a year and a half ago. Sure. Um, but, oh my gosh. Yeah. They are. I listen to the album living room at least once a week. <laughs> Not yeah. exaggerating. The
0: living room is awesome. Like their acoustic stuff is great uh that that single like the gospel single thing yes that came uh,
1: the weather but the gospel yes. cover i'm in i'm yeah it's
0: <laughs> oh my god that was probably the last thing i can credit spotify doing well is putting them on my <laughs> discover weekly and it came up
1: yeah well my discover weekly it's always a mix of like lawrence sammy ray jacob collier it's yeah. like they know me now in like like street dive they they know me <laughs>
0: It's, it's almost getting a little personal too when they're like, oh, yeah. Have you checked this out? And it's like, Yes, please stop asking me if I have this. <laughs> uh, so, you know, you say that you're looking on to the next thing, right? What have you learned from this project besides the covers that you're like, Okay, next time around, like I might, I might tweak this a little bit?
1: Hmm. Oh, so many things. I'm just trying to, <laughs> trying to think. Um, I am going to start arranging a lot earlier. Um, that, that was definitely like, I set a recording date because I had been dragging my feet for so long and I had so many songs and ideas, but the actual arranging process, I would start way, way, way earlier than I did this time And um, let's see. Maybe that was, I don't want to people think I procrastinated too much only on one arrangement. Most of them I didn't procrastinate too badly.
0: That's cool though. Deadlines help. Who cares yeah. how long late you started <laughs> as long as it gets done, right?
1: That, that is true. Yeah. It's I just looking back, I'm like, ah, oh, this could have been so much cooler. Um, I would actually, uh, I would do everything. I, I did things, a mix of, uh, at, like it wasn't a lot like I didn't uh, tape a gig but it was at a venue that um it was Sherry Miracle's old venue drummers in Fishtown. Mm. And I loved recording there, but it was really nice recording in an actual studio. And I wanna try doing a whole album because I did half and half this time. Um sure. so I wanna I wanna try doing a whole studio album. I also wanna try doing an actual live album with an audience. Yeah. Um so those are two things um yeah I, I'm I'm trying to think of more. I, I oh I would not be afraid of uh, either writing out or coming up with concrete solo ideas before the day of. I feel like that's something in jazz especially that people like, it's perceived that it's frowned upon, but so many people like write out a solo break or come up, up with that beforehand. And I feel like I felt this pressure to be spontaneous, which I love the result, but thinking like, Oh, on this, I could have like worked this out a little bit more and not had to do something different on every single take if I had something I knew I really liked.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think that's a really good point. Is so many people have this notion that because it is based in improvisation, that truly everything is just like on the fly. But, you know, even if you go back and listen to Clifford Brown or Dizzy or whomever have like seven takes of the same song, like they have those yeah. breaks similar They're, they might not be the exact same but it's the yeah. same
1: concept exactly and it's that's something i think i was I, I it's when you're in the studio and when you're recording you're thinking about like oh my gosh i don't want my band members to hear me do the same exact solo break every single time but then you run into that frustrating thing of oh i love this thing i did in the solo but i only did it once and it wasn't on a really overall good take so okay i guess i won't get to use it
0: So for you, um, did you have any form of like a producer role or like an extra set of ears that were not the engineer in the studio?
1: Um, Not often. It was usually just the two of us. I would have a band member come in every once in a while or when we were going back and forth on on edits or on takes, I had other band members listen. Um, I was the only official producer on the record, Um, but there were other people that would just kind of be going in and out. Like uh, my bass player, Joe Plowman, would listen to some stuff. Uh, I remember there's some other engineers that weren't working on my project that would kind of come in and out of the studio. So nothing official. Maybe I would do that next time is have a a co-producer.
0: Well, I'm curious, how did you, um, how did you handle numbers of takes? Because I think sometimes people get really easily into like, we just need to run it back again, you know, run it back again. And then you end up with too many. And it's just hard when it's your own project to really be like, okay, like those are fine. Like, let's move on.
1: Yeah, and I think the most takes we had of a song was Seven, I think. Yeah, that that was, I think, and that was Orange Colored Sky. I still remember going through all those versions because I remember making my notes on like, which solos were the best for people and all this stuff. And I remember my piano player, Silas, I still joke with him. I had notes on seven different takes and all of them were like, good solo, Silas, great solo, Silas, awesome (laughs) solo, Silas. So I almost feel like I rolled the dice with the piano solo because they were all so good. Um, But yeah, that was something that my band members had all recorded more than I have. So they helped me out with sort of like, if we had a take that felt good, they made sure they made that known and said, Hey, I think you're going to be happy with that one. We can do one more if we want, but you don't want it to sound stale.
0: Right, right. And that's good to have uh, that experience. And especially people that are not afraid to voice their opinions on it. You know, mm-hmm. I think sometimes people will get into that job or, or that position of like, You know, I'm just a side man or a side woman, you know, and I'm like, I'm, I'm going to play, I'm going to listen, and I'm going to do it. But like, there, you know, there comes a point where you want to make sure you have those people that are like, Hey, <laughs> we should move on you know just someone that'll like say that to you
1: yeah and that was usually um joe or dan my bass player my drummer in in the most lovely way i'm so happy they did that because especially as a trombone player i don't want to do 20 takes of something i'll get oh, tired no, your face
0: is just gone <laughs> that like, is we're
1: always not like
0: saxophone players
1: yeah that's that's always my mark of like i can tell when a like a, a student an engineer or a producer has worked a lot with horns or with brass players if they like Take things in chunks, or if they like leave breaks. But the worst is like if you're recording horn parts, and they're like, "No, just read the whole chart down. No, just read the whole chart down. No, just read it
0: down." Yeah, it's wild. I know Nick will talk about it a little bit. His he's like, "Man, I hate the excuse of my face is tired." And I was like, "Sometimes your face just gets tired, Nick."
1: i mean maybe nick's face doesn't get tired i like i would believe that
0: i guess iron man over here i don't know (laughs) you know what to say so what you know now we're we're in february you know i'm sure you're practicing i won't ask you how that's going but like what are you doing when you're not doing music how are you escaping it all you know i know it takes up a lot of our lives but we all got to have stuff that we can get away from it you know, hobbies, interests? What did you last binge? Like, what are you doing when you're not doing the trombone?
1: Um, Well, I watched three seasons of Search Party in three days. Someone just
0: recommended that. (laughs) Yeah, isn't that good?
1: It's so good. And it's the kind of show I'm not even going to tell you anything about it because that's how I went into it. I didn't even know what genre it was. Um, (laughs) And yeah, it's it's amazing. But um, yeah, so a lot of binge watching TV. Um, I, I love cooking but that has gotten really boring because i live alone and it's just for myself most of the time but yeah. i've gotten into grilling that's been my new thing i've had a grill but i've always like been scared to really use what have it, you been I've grilling gotten- um, I've gotten better at like, like steaks and red meat, which is what I've always been afraid of. And I'm sorry, okay. any vegetarians or vegans listening. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's something I'm very picky about how it's cooked. So I never want to buy it because I'm like, oh, I'll waste so much money and I'll ruin it. Sure.
0: Sure. Sure. <laughs> but, sure. Uh,
1: that's been getting good at, at that. That was actually my Thanksgiving dinner this year it was a big hanger steak. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> this, yeah. Awesome. Um, I, uh, it's still music, but it's, you know, not trombone. I started picking up the electric bass. Okay. Um, and transcribing a lot of McCartney bass lines, which has been really fun. Um, I know that's still music, but it's something. And it's it's nice playing something that I don't have an expectation for myself on. Sure, sure. It's it's very freeing. Um, I have two cats, so hanging out with them. I know that sounds very sad, but they're pretty they're pretty cool. So
0: yeah, (laughs) you got to do what you got to do. You know, it's cool.
1: Uh, Um, yeah, I taking long, aimless drives. (laughs)
0: All right, now we're getting a little bit maybe to the more sad part, you know.
1: It's, I lo- you. Don't like long aimless drives.
0: <laughs> I do like long aimless drives, but it's just you know the the progression of it. It's like, oh hey, I, I been to watch some TV. Like I learned how to cook red meat, and then like I hang out with my cats and drive aimlessly. You know, it's just <laughs> the direction of it. And oh
1: no! A little bit of I an
0: upswing. All right.
1: All right. I didn't even think about that. Um, and I have been uh, decorating my apartment. That's there nice. There you go. There you go. Right, you yeah. go. right, and right, on, right. And on the happy note.
0: Amazon shopping, Target shopping, new things <laughs> on, the, on the up and up. What about this? What was the last book that you read?
1: Um, the last book that I read. Um, oh, I'm reading. Oh, well, I didn't finish it yet, but I'm reading Busy Phillips autobiography. Okay. Um, yeah, it's really interesting because I'm a big Freaks and Geeks fan. Um, sure. And a friend recommended that book to me. So that book has been great. Um, I was reading just like bad novels. That was my thing at the beginning of... Like I read like the Hunger Games prequel that came out. And I, like, it's like that sort of vibe where my brain can't handle too much. So I just need some like good like Gillian Flynn novels, you know?
0: Right, right, right. You're like, I don't really want something that's, you know known for its amazing literature. I just want something that can fill the gaps for the time being.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Well, look, I'm very excited for the album to come out. We're roughly under a month now, March mm-hmm. 5th. Uh, I'm sure it'll be here before we all know it. It'll be everywhere. When's the Sarah Vaughan competition coming up?
1: That is, it's been bumped to, to June 6th um, okay. due to COVID restrictions because – we all really want to use NJ Pack because it's a beautiful venue. Yeah, why not? Uh, so, uh, yeah, that'll be, be June 6th. I believe it's a Sunday. Um,
0: okay, so look at that. It's soon. something to look forward to, you know, something yeah. coming up. Well,
1: that's, I wasn't even sad when they moved it because I was like, oh, great. Now I just get more time to look forward to it and have this as a, yeah. as a thing to look forward to.
0: Man, that's <laughs> awesome. Well, look, congrats again on the release coming out. Good job on the red meat and the grilling <laughs> and the decorating and everything. And, you know, I'm sure we'll be hearing great things. Uh, where can people go follow you on social media, catch up with your acapella singing and everything? And-
1: <laughs> um, I'm most active on, on Instagram at uh, Haley Brunell. Uh, you can go subscribe to my website. I send out emails with little reminders and deals on some merchandise and lessons at Um, Also on Facebook, I think it's Haley Brunell Music, I want to say, but I'll come up. It's a picture of me holding a trombone. Um, Those are the the main ones.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks so much again for coming on, Haley. And uh, we'll look forward to the album coming out March 5th.